episode 130 of Throwdown Thursday. What's your favorite color? My name is Patrick Rahal, and uh, you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, which is fine. I answered either one. And uh, we are here broadcasting live from Castle Wolfenstein uh, in front of a taped audience. And uh, I am, of course, joined, uh, as always, by the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot, the Michael Phelps of wine, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes My Nightmare. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. And we are, of course, also joined by the hardest working man in podcasting. He of the Cal Ripken-like streak of 7,912 consecutive podcasts. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. Not quite. How many of you guys have? 130 now? Yes. So, But you also have all the other shows that you've produced and all the uh, trick-or-treat radios and all the special events and all like other things. I so did, I did count them. I, th- I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show, but I counted them. And as of like a month or two ago, I think it was like almost 800 episodes. Yeah, see? Wow. That's it, impressive. I was saying most of that's just from us and trick-or-treat radio we're at least we're way over half combined because you guys are at like what like 330 and we're at 130 so that puts up to 460 so not way over half but yeah close close enough yeah so today we are going to be discussing uh we we're not huge christmas movie people but we do enjoy certain ones like and when we find one we like, we just latch on to it. And this is definitely one that I think... Uh, like, you will be my movie. We're like, you know, Christmas movie leeches. Uh, <laughs> That's a nice visual. Yes. Well, they're like red and green and like have lights and flash on and on. Um, And today we're going to be talking about Will Ferrell's portrayal of Buddy the Elf from the movie Elf. Buddy! And um, this is a film that I really enjoyed, and we just rewatched it recently. And there were some things like, "Man, I forgot how funny this was." So we did have some opening thoughts, though. What are what are our opening thoughts for this week? I like smiling. Smiling's my favorite. See, I posted a little picture the other day of that phrase right next to Doctor Frankenfurter. Saying even smiling makes my face ache. And said there's two kinds of people. I mean, there are more than two kinds of people. But if you just kind of juxtapose it like that. So, Ashes, what do you got for uh, our our opening discussion this week? So, for our getting into character discussion this week, we're going to talk Christmas. Because the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear we wanted to know what gets people in the Christmas spirit. Now, for me, uh, see, there's there's a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, but there's a lot of uh, disagreement with folks as to what specifically constitutes a Christmas movie. Just because a film is set at Christmas time does not make it a Christmas movie. For example, something that we're going to be talking about uh, coming up, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It just happens. It's a heist movie that happens to take place at Christmas. Home Alone is not a Christmas movie. It is a prequel to Saw that takes place (laughs) at Christmas. So I don't think that that... Because the events that occur during this film could have happened at any time. Like, this could have taken place during school vacation week. Or, you know, summer vacation, the start of summer vacation. So just having a movie take place at Christmas doesn't make it a Christmas movie. Elf is a Christmas movie. Uh, Santa Claus the Movie... One of my favorite Christmas films of all time, starring Dudley Moore and John Lithgow, that I saw in the theater a thousand years ago. I fucking loved it. 
and I still do to this day. Not many people even know about this movie. Santa Claus the movie. Uh, that is a Christmas movie. Because it takes place at Christmas so, and it involves Christmas characters. Uh, what are you trying to get at? Like Christmas rants as to what compri- thing, like, com- what comprises a Christmas movie is what no, gets no, no. you in the Christmas spirit? Well, I mean, that's part of it because you know how much I like arguing with people about things. But what really gets me into the Christmas spirit is uh, honestly starting Black Friday shopping because um, I do enjoy purchasing gifts for other people and I think we're pretty good at it um but once these you know all these movies come on it kind of hits the nostalgia you know of growing up and uh I don't think we've put up a christmas tree in 8 7 8 years it's been a while it has been a while and we don't really decorate for christmas although I did put up a uh, a little decoration in in my office at work. It's the wreath of con. I did put that up. Um, but we have, you know, all these things that we grew up with. You know, and this is kind of like what we talked about last week. But stuff like Rudolph and 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 uh, Frosty and what's his, what's the guy you like? The Heat Miser. It's a year without a Santa Claus. Yeah. Um. You know, kind of having that on the screen and like, you know, hearing our niece talk about Santa and everything, you know, it's not so much for the religious aspect of it for the as it is to me for the family togetherness part of it. Like we have our traditions that, you know, we have established, you know, since we've been together. So I think that kind of does it. If I ever get into a quote-unquote Christmas spirit, that's kind of it. But I'm also very excited for Christmas to be over because I don't have to see all the Christmas stuff in the stores anymore and we can get back to like a normal sense of things. Because once September rolls around, it's like Christmas nonstop. So... I think when Christmas leaves, that kind of helps me. I don't know. What about what about you? Well, I enjoy getting into the Christmas spirits. Yeah, eggnog <laughs> full of uh, uh, <laughs> rum. rum. Uh, yeah, um, I agree with you on Black Friday. Uh, shopping for other people, getting really good deals getting up super duper early or just not going to bed. Uh, this past year we stood outside and uh, let's see. It's 10 degrees. It was going to say, yeah, but my phone says 10 degrees feels like negative five. Oh, good. Okay. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's become like a tradition for me. I've been doing it for years, getting up, standing outside, waiting for, you know, the doors to open, Grab a hot chocolate from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, like got it's an a, Oreo hot chocolate this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Um, and a big thing for me, I don't have a lot of Christmas spirit. Um, Christmas is not my favorite. It really, uh, I don't know. Like, it seems really magical as a kid. But as you get older, you just kind of become jaded. And that's... Um, a, one of the reasons why I love the character we're going to be talking about in a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. It's just it's just easy to kind of lose sight of everything and kind of get sucked into the capitalism of the holiday. The commercialism. And, yes. So many commercials. Yeah. <laughs> um, but something that I really enjoy, that I've always enjoyed doing, is looking at lights. The people who take the time to go out and decorate their houses in order to spread, you know, just just spread some sort of happiness, some sort of Christmas cheer, just makes me really happy because a it looks like glitter and that's amazing. I think everything should just be covered in glitter, anyways, because that would just be absolutely fabulous. But I just I just love the lights. I love 
you know, the, the, the care that people put into, you know, and, and the effort that is made. You know, a, in, into decorating their, their houses for the holidays. And there's a nice big display about two minutes from the studio here that we're going to go you check know, out on um, our way home. You know, and I enjoy everything from the big, massive displays where it looks like Christmas just vomited all over people's yards to the really simple displays where it's just, you know, a meticulously hung wreath with white candles in the windows I think that's so pretty and so simple and so nice. Um, you know, any any type of effort, I think, is just, you know, appreci- I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I think it's great. Yeah, it doesn't have to be insane. You just and It you makes me like really happy lights. to the point where yeah. I, I, every time I see lights, I'm like, ooh, lights. Yeah. and it was, Seriously, I do. Like, every no, time I'm in the car, I feel like I need to point out that there's lights in the vicinity. Um, and like I said, there's a nice big display just, right there. I mean, the and for me, it's just something that reminds me of... Um, being a being a kid and we used to go riding around looking at christmas lights in the neighborhood and we do that still you know yeah you sometimes we do if when we have a chance when we have a ta- when we have time and opportunity you know, and we'll there are that. a couple of places that do like drive through uh, christmas light lights uh displays and stuff too Which in, we used in to massachusetts do. so yeah there's a place That's really cool but place in springfield that we used to drive through but it started getting like too expensive and it, we had to drive all the way out to springfield and the traffic was just insane it, yeah it would be like a couple of hours uh worth of driving just to get out there and then you obviously you're driving through the display so you sit in your car and you drive some more only to then have to drive home but it's still a, it's it's a cool thing and if you have the opportunity to go to something like that i recommend it it's just nice you know again a lot of effort is put into these displays and I just I don't know I just I think it's nice I think it's a nice thing mm-hmm. that people do people wanting to you know just just put a little happiness on their house and you know make other people happy yeah no and uh I do enjoy that I don't enjoy them as as much as you do but um you know it makes me happy I think I'm part drive. moth well I think it, it makes me happy to drive around with you and like seeing you you know just like revert back to you know like a little kid like oh look at the lights look at the lights you know and every time i see something that maybe you don't i make sure i point it out to you so you can look at it and see it and enjoy it so i mean there's that but yeah i mean if there's anything that specifically gets uh you folks out there in uh radio land into uh the christmas spirit we would love to hear it uh, that was an unintentional rhyme because uh, I feel like anytime someone says spirit, they say, let's hear it. But yeah, um, yeah, tell us about. And mint hot chocolate. Mm. That's There's what we had. something about mint hot chocolate, like peppermint in your hot chocolate that just, that just, it tastes like Christmas. We did, we did two runs this year for Black Friday. The first one. We were outside of Walmart at about 1130 because they opened at one and then Target, which and the thing that sucks is that the Target is directly across the street, didn't open until seven. So we went home, rested for a little while, went back. And each time, like the first time we went out, we got an Oreo hot chocolate. And the second time we went back to our old standby of the mint hot chocolate from Dunkin Donuts each time because that was the only place that was open. So, but yeah, it is, it is nice sitting there drinking the hot chocolate. I usually let you drink most of it, partly because I don't want to have to pee while I'm standing in line and it's so cold out, but, but yeah, let us know what you, what you guys like. So I think what we'll do, we'll take a quick break Mm -hmm. and when we come back, we will, uh, discuss Will Farrell's role as Buddy the Elf. So we'll be right back. Do you love a scary story? Do you love to dance? The big scary monster haunts at midnight is a collection of dark songs about sex, love, death, revenge, and the end of the world. Brought to you by the world's greatest monster hunting. Yeah. 
Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. And we are back. And of course, you just heard our promotion for uh, powerslam.tv, the streaming service that gives you, like they said, thousands of hours of uh, streaming content rustling all over the world. And right now, if you use our code THROWDOWNFREE, all one word, all capital letters, you can sign up on the site, powerslam.tv, and get a month of free streaming. It is so worth it, especially because there is no way that you are going to go through all of that, uh, all of that, um, content. Yes. I couldn't think of the word, all of that content in one, one month. So you're going to be hooked and you're going to want more and you're definitely going to, uh, going to subscribe. So today we are talking about, like I said before the break, the 2003 film Elf, starring Will Ferrell, James Caan, Mary Steenburgen, and uh, Zoe Deschanel, and uh, to a lesser extent Bob Newhart. But he's awesome. So, and uh, Ashes, you want to? Why don't you take it away? Because this is one of your favorite movies. I don't even know where to begin. He's start just at the so beginning. Magic, a very good place to start. Yes. Um. So when we're first introduced to this character. We're given his backstory, how Buddy the Elf became Buddy the Elf, a human raised by elves. And as a baby, he was in an orphanage being taken care of by nuns because his mother had passed and his father had no idea that he existed. And who was paying attention to him? Nobody. None of them. Oh, aha. Ha, <laughs> none. <laughs> Uh, um, anyways, <laughs> who loved him? None of them. Anyways, uh, he gets out of his crib when Santa has arrived and crawls into Santa's bag of, of toys. Good and phrasing there, as opposed to he crawled into Santa's sack. Good thing you didn't say that. That might be awkward. So yes, he crawls into the bag of toys. Yes. <laughs> and um, he is taken to the North Pole where it is discovered that this baby has crawled into Santa's bag of toys. And the... I don't know if he was the oldest elf there. One of the oldest elves. He, he was he's, a senior elf. Like, yeah, they call him Papa Elf. Well, he calls him Papa Elf because it was his dad. And, but I mean, like, he's credited as Papa Elf as well. So Bob Newhart, the elf, uh, falls in love with Buddy. And fun fact, they call him Buddy because that is the brand of diapers. Little Buddy diapers. Little Buddy diapers that he is wearing. They're like, oh, it says Buddy. His name's Buddy. Because obviously, why would they say Buddy? His, if name, his name is Buddy Diapers. Was in Buddy Diapers. Um, so they call him Buddy. And Papa Elf decides that he's going to raise this child. Now, this child, you know, in, in, a, in a world of elves, grows up to be six foot four Will Ferrell. Thinking he is an elf, which is just hilarious. Like, like that's that in and of itself is just super funny. Um, and I love the uh, practical effects that they use of um, kind of like a the, the the disproportionate forced perspective. That's what it's called. They used it for Lord of the Rings. 
um, you know, to make the cast seem uh, significantly shorter than Will Ferrell. And not only that, building the tiny sets to make six foot four Will Ferrell run through. Because Ferrell, a lot of people don't realize this. He actually is like six three, six four. He's very tall. tall Yes. So it's it's especially funny to have him in that role. Um So what happens is as he gets older, he realizes that he's a little slower than some of the other elves. He realizes that he's a little bit bigger than some of the other elves and the other elves um they they try to be nice about it and uh try to give him tasks that he can handle. Like putting the star on top of the Christmas tree, and changing like changing the smoke the, the, detector, yeah, the smoke detector and then the light bulbs and stuff. But you know he's just he's just not really good at being an elf because he's not an elf and he's a human living in an elf world. And he overhears a couple of elves talking about him, mentioning how can he not realize that he is a human. And he was just like, what? And does this very dramatic, like, run, cry, and Papa Elf ends up telling him that, yes, buddy, you are a human. We, you know, took you in. And your dad lives in New York City. And he is on the naughty list. Well, the snowman drops some serious knowledge. They're like, how'd you not figure this out? You're six foot three and had a beard since you were 15. <laughs> and he's... It's right. He's he's not very good at elf things. It's like, hey, how many etch sketches did you make today? Eighty five. Eighty five. Okay, you know. And fun fact that that guy that's going around taking his his count is Ralphie from A Christmas Story. So just wanted to throw that out there for anyone who was unaware of who that actor is. But then you know, Buddy accidentally overhears that same elf talking to because they try to make him feel better and insist that he's not a cotton-headed ninny muggins which got some sort of like gasp from everyone who heard it um because he only made 85 instead of the thousand etch-a-sketches he was supposed to make however Living at the North Pole and being around elves the way he is, he is able to function on 40 minutes of sleep a night. He is a wizard when it comes to Etch-A-Sketches, like drawing on them because he spent so much time with them. He can decorate like the most insane, like Martha Stewart wishes she could do what he does in an evening. Like, he's pretty impressive, and like that, and that's what he's told. Like, you just have different talents. You know, he brings the elf choir down a whole octave in a good way. And so, eventually, when he overhears this, and he's just like, you know what, I'm not really an elf, and everyone thinks I'm dumb, and it's like, well, that's because you're a person. He decides he is going to go out, and he's going to find his dad, and hilarity ensues. Because, first of all, he travels by hopping on a piece of ice that breaks off, and he just drifts. And he has to say bye to all the claymation critters. Yes. There's the... There's the puffin. There's the puffin. There's a bear. There's something... What's the other thing that's with him? There's the puffin, the polar bear, or is it two polar bears? I don't know. Maybe there's an owl. I forget. I just remember the puffin and the polar bear. And then all of a sudden everything starts shaking and this giant spike comes out of the water and, oh, look, it's Mr. Narwhal. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. All of the, the all of the animals are voiced by director John Favreau. So just. Well, what I love about the scenes in um, the North Pole is that they're so cliche Christmas movie. Like you see, like the snowman is very reminiscent of the snowman. Well, yeah, from Rudolph. And, you know, the claymation critters are every claymation, you know, movie that was made in like the 1950s, 1960s. Um, 
you know, it, it was just, it's, it's all of these cliches, but it's so fun and so well done and just kind of, and even, um, the clothing that the elves are wearing are, uh, hearken to the elves from Rudolph. Yes. Yeah. The, the green tunics with the pointy hats and yellow tights. Yes. And the, the shoes that curl up at the end. Yeah. Uh, not really the type of attire you would expect for uh, an Arctic temperature. But, uh, you know. Apparently it keeps them toasty. It works. It works for them. I think it's the all sugar diet that they're on. Uh, they should all be dead from diabetes. Well, that's the thing. Like, they tried using trolls, but the trolls were very flatulent. And they tried using gnomes. The gnomes drank too much. The gnomes, yeah, gnomes drank too much. But elves, perfect, perfect uh, balance of work and drinking. Uh, although we do see them doing some shots of milk uh, right before Buddy comes out of the comes out of the uh, bag of toys. But next we see we see Buddy traveling to New York, and you want to talk about like a fish out of water type thing. You know, Santa gives him all this advice. Like, if you see gum, it's not free candy. But Buddy finds gum, like, stuck to a Ooh, railing. Piece of candy. And Ooh, eats piece of candy. all of the gum. Now, fun fact about this opening New York scene. Um, all of these people were just literally random people walking around New York. And John Favreau and Will Ferrell asked, like... Hey, can we kind of like interact with you and like just do crazy things? Yeah, it was um one of the one of the last things that they filmed and it was just John Favreau and Will Ferrell aimlessly walking around New York, Will Ferrell all dressed up and they were just asking people, "Hey, would you mind if we shot you?" You know, took some took some footage and just got some grounding shots and um that's what you so him arriving in New York that initial scene like that was actually the last shot and it was just all unscripted yeah just like improv stuff you know, which, him grabbing the pieces of the, the flyers from the two people yep and going back and forth and oh thank you oh thank taking you. the gum which Will Ferrell had pre-chewed and they kind of put like a layer of like plastic or something underneath the railing and they stuck the gum to that so he was actually eating pre-chewed gum, but it was the gum that he pre-chewed. And another, f- I don't know if this was fun, because Will Ferrell actually was getting sick and was getting massive headaches and couldn't sleep as a result of eating the food that Buddy eats in the film. Like, he's really putting syrup on his spaghetti and chocolate sauce and eating it. All the cotton balls he's eating, they're not actually cotton balls, but they are cotton candy. But they had to do multiple takes. The only scene that didn't have multiple takes is his battle with Santa because the set took so long to build. They had to get it right the first time because they didn't have time to rebuild everything and and do it all over again. So that was the only scene that they didn't shoot, you know, uh, more than once. So he had to eat that spaghetti multiple times there are multiple takes of him doing that well and one of the reasons why he had to do multiple takes is because it was making him sick which i can imagine like sick to his stomach like he got sick like he had to leave the set um and i mean i i don't blame him that would make me want to vomit too yeah i just but, like, I admire his um, commitment to the role. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. It's definitely, um, like, he threw himself into this role 100%. And, like, you know. But we know it's... Will Ferrell is a great character actor anyways. If you've seen any of his characters on SNL, like, you know he's really good at playing characters and and i mean this was very reminiscent this is like a clean version of i mean think about if you've ever seen Step Brothers, where he and john c Riley, who have amazing chemistry by the way uh as i'm sure we'll see in the sherlock holmes movie that they're doing where will ferrell is sherlock holmes and he's mm-hmm. watson that comes out in 
if it hasn't come out already, it's coming out soon. They're basically playing teenagers, but they're grown men. And this, I think, inspired a lot of that, like where he's basically six years old developmentally. He's so innocent. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like mentally, he's young. He's very, very young, but he's a grown man. But he doesn't know any better because he's been living this literal sugar-coated life. Right. And now all of a sudden he's thrust into one of the most aggressive cities on the planet in New York City. You know, and like the first thing we see of his dad, Walter Hobbs, played by uh, James Caan, is him informing a nun that's, oh, sorry, we have to take all the books back because you missed a payment on your... I don't understand how that works. Like, most people don't buy books on an installment plan, but he's a publisher, and he's like, yeah, we have to take back all the books because you're missing children your... children love the books. And he's talking to a nun, and he's like, well, you know, maybe they should get jobs and, and buy their own books, you know? So it's showing right off the bat without giving too much away what a jerk he actually is. You know, complete 180 degrees away from who Buddy is. And we do see another uh, example of Buddy's amazing skills when he goes and, you know, he's accepted into Walter's home, even though everyone thinks he's delusional. He's accepted into the home by Mary Steenberg and his wife and his son. I forget what his son's name is. Max. Max. uh, He goes to meet Max at school and they get ambushed by a bunch of kids throwing snowballs. And Buddy is like the world champion snowball maker and thrower because all the kids, you know, are are bombarding them. And he makes like 30 snowballs in about 15 seconds and then starts throwing them with unerring accuracy, even to the point where he makes this amazing diving throw to get a kid, I don't know, 50 yards away, hits him square in the back and knocks him down. Uh had he not become an elf, Buddy could have uh, probably played for the Mets. Oh, sorry. His name isn't Max. It's Michael. Michael Max. I was going to call him Jorf. That, that's, that, that's, that's I knew it. that, that was wrong. sounds totally accurate. Um, but no, and one of the things that I find so hilarious is when he first meets his dad, he goes to the uh, publishing office where his dad works, and his Dad thinks that he's there as like a singing telegram. And so he sings this song and he's like, I'm here, dad, and I'm singing and you're my dad and I love you. I love you. That whole part wasn't scripted. Like, I mean, they knew that they were going to do something. But what he says, that was all off off the cuff. That was all will feral being awkward and weird and i love it yeah he um he's got you know obviously a a long history of both scripted and improvisate improvisational uh you know acting and comedy so you know this played right into it and what's funny is he wasn't the first choice for this film. And I know, Ashes, you were super excited about this because you are not a fan of the actor who was originally going to play this character uh, who decided to do a different Christmas movie. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Jim Carrey, who was originally uh, the top pick for Elf, but declined and did um, uh, The Grinch instead. Which, I mean, I can't really imagine uh, Jim Carrey in this role. And I think that's that speaks... Like, I love Jim Carrey. I think a lot of the stuff he's done is great. Like, I've been a fan since the In Living Color days, because I used to watch that all the time when I wasn't supposed to. But his uh, his style of comedy compared to Will Ferrell's style of comedy, um, they just don't sync up. They don't match to me. And uh, this would have been, I think this would have been like a a very kid-friendly version of The Mask if uh, Jim Carrey had had 
taken the role. It would have been obnoxious and it would not have been as good. Not that so. Will Ferrell's not obnoxious in these roles. Well, he no, is, but he he's is, a different it's, brand it's of obnoxious. A, he's more likable, in my opinion. Yeah, he's a different... They all. They each have their own like specific cl- uh, quirks. I almost said clerks. But I think Will Ferrell's brand of humor lends better to this role than Jim Carrey's. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just don't like Jim Carrey. Well, I think I don't think Jim Carrey would have done as good a job in this specific role. I think the roles that Will Ferrell takes, while they're similar, they each have their own specific qualities that you can really get behind where you see the character growth. And again, I compare this a lot to Step Brothers because you see a lot of the similarities where it's like they go from this know younger persona type character like where you know stepbrothers he's kind of like a spoiled teenager with this he's like a young kid still full of you know hopes and dreams and whimsy because that's all he's ever seen he doesn't know that you know people don't believe in santa and they don't believe in you know where christmas comes from and how things really work in the world you know those are all just stories and fairy tales but to him that's his real life and then you know they go through this slight transformation where they're just, okay, I'm an important businessman. But then they revert back to who they are, and people realize that that's who they're supposed to be, and that's who they loved in the first place. You know, they just needed to be shown what, you know, they really are and how those characters can, you know, the benefits of those characters being how they are and who they are. Right, and kind of tying in with the character that we uh, spoke about last week, Bert, they have such a, a childlike sense of wonder and this ability to just make people around them so happy that it's infectious. They make people happy. Like, one of the biggest character differences in characters that you see from, like, because this does have a little bit of romantic comedy thrown in mm-hmm. you know with his interactions with Zoe Deschanel he doesn't know that he's supposed to be nervous he doesn't understand that you know he doesn't have this like oh she's out of my league type mentality he just walks up to her and just starts complimenting her like he hears her singing so he sings with her and I do call bullshit on the oh I didn't know you were naked in the shower it's like they do show Buddy showering at the beginning of the movie to kind of like, it's like you knew she was naked, but he wasn't thinking about it like that. He just heard right. singing. He, he heard her in there singing. peeping on her. He knows that, oh, she's showering and she's singing. I want to sing with her. It wasn't like, oh, she's showering. Like, no, it's just like, oh, she happens to be in the shower. She's singing a and Christmas she's song. And she's singing a Christmas song. Like, right. that's what he was more excited about. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I think one of the things I like about the the relationship between Jovi, which is Zoe Deschanel, and Buddy is that um, Buddy is able to bring something out of her yes you know like he's able to use his childlike sense of wonder to you know just make her feel special and you know and and she's able to take that and make it something tangible like when he gets really excited to see like the little tree and she's like, no, you just wait. And He's like, takes- oh, look, this is the biggest tree I've ever seen. And she takes him to Rockefeller Center and he kisses her. Yes. And it's, you know, he's uh, he's being nice to her because he genuinely likes her. And he's like, he's up front. He's like, I like you and I think you're beautiful. And I think this. And when I'm around you, my tongue swells up and I can't I can't word good. You know, and he's completely genuine. He's not like trying well, something. Well, he doesn't have that social filter. Well, he, what I'm saying so is... So everything that he says is just... It's what he feels. And he's being genuine. He's not trying to get into her pants. He's just... I really like you. I think you're pretty. I want to spend time with you. Right. And he's just like... I'm not... He's not like, hey, 
let's go back to your place or anything like that. He's like, this is what I find amusing. Like, let's go get the world's best cup of coffee, you know, which isn't the world's. It, but it, he sees the it's sign. It's a crappy cup of coffee. And, but... and, but he, you know, he's looking at it like. She deserves the world's best cup of coffee, and he, I'm going to share this with her. And right, she he takes things that. literally. Yeah, she recognizes, like, oh my god, like this guy thinks that this is really true, and he wants and me he's to experience. Trying this. to share something special with her, and he's like, you know, he's like, oh, run around in this revolving door. It's like the most fun thing you'll ever do, you know. And you know, she's very impressed by his decorating skills. You know, and it's it's funny because like he's there with Michael, and he's he's looking at her. And he's like, "You like her, don't you?" He's like, "Who?" And he's just he never takes his eyes off of her, even when he's having the conversation. He's like, "That girl you're staring at." I'm not staring at anybody. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, like. But it's just it's so sweet. It's like something a twelve year old with a crush would say, right? And that's like that's who he is, until you know certain things happen. And it's like. Okay, I need to step up and I need to fix Santa's sleigh. You know, this is what I was trained to do. This is like, you know, I don't make toys. You know, I don't sing at a high pitch, but this is what my dad did or my adopted father. And this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. And, you know, he eventually teaches everybody the, the spirit of Christmas because people slowly see in him who he is. And the last one to come around, obviously, is his dad because his dad is James Caan. And that's just that's that's another perfect casting. Agreed. Because, I mean, James Caan, you see him. He's used to he, he's used to playing guy, you know, tough guys, mafia guys. You know, he was on the show Vegas for the longest time. I don't know if anybody saw it, but he was like the head of a casino and he was like casino security. Um you know, obviously his role is Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. You know, that's a that's probably his most iconic role. So getting him in this role, you know, he's a tough guy and I mean there's all obviously a lot of because it's a, a this type of movie, there's you know, again, it's it's got a lot of romantic comedy in it. There's this accidental like Innocent misunderstanding. The whole scene with Miles Finch. <laughs> oh my goodness! Who is a children's author? Tyrion Lannister, played by Peter Dinklage. Yes. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh... Look, and he just he just think, hey, you're an elf. Because you're the size of my friends. Yeah, you are. Like, yeah, like I he... literally have friends who are your height and. And, like, the shit he's saying, like, oh, does Santa know you're here? Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get here? Will Ferrell's, his delivery is slightly different than his, like, overjoyed, effervescent buddy. He changes it ever so slightly, which, to me, lends uh, credence to the fact that he is a very good actor. Because he changes his inflections just slightly, so he sounds sarcastic instead of, like fun and exuberant Mm -hmm. so that's how miles finch is hearing him and everyone in the room is hearing him you know but that's not call me elf one more feeling strong my friend call me elf one more time you're in like he's like he's an angry elf then he's got him in a he's got him in a headlock and he's like call me elf call me elf you're, You're an, an elf. elf. <laughs> but he doesn't understand that either. Right. Like he comes running at him on the table and he puts his arms out like he's getting ready to hug him. And like Dinklage just kicks the shit out of him. So it's very interesting. I uh, I, en- I enjoy like all of the characters, like all the, the casting for this film was just it was done so well. And. Buddy the Elf is definitely, uh, I mean, it's been out for 15 years now, and he is one of those, I don't think they meant it this way, but he has become an iconic character. 
Oh, yeah. It's one of the uh, multiple um, people have put out lists of the top, you know, all-time Christmas movies. And Elf is almost always in the top ten, if not the top five. Yeah. I mean, if you were to ask... Because it's so well done. I mean, if you were to ask... You know, a hundred people. Actually, maybe that's what we'll do. We'll throw up a poll, like, you know, what's your favorite Christmas movie, and we'll list we'll list a bunch. And if you don't, uh, if you don't, you think of something else, you can add. To the yeah, poll. if you see something we don't add, is what I was trying to get to. But I'm friggin' sleepy, and I'm starting to get a headache. But uh, probably from eating all the chocolate covered spaghetti. But um, and one of the things I do love about this movie and about um the character of Buddy is the ending. You know, the fact that he's able to get everyone to believe in Christmas and believe in Santa uh, with the help of, of, of Jovi, who, you know, the best way to spread Christmas cheer, singing loud for all to hear and gets people to dig deep and just really, you know, kind of get in touch with it and their, their inner child again and get in touch with that, that innocence and that Christmas spirit that a lot of us have, have have lost because of just the pressures of being a grown up. Yeah, and we see that, you know, evidenced with, you know, James Conn's Walter Hobbs, like he's working as a publisher for a children's books, and he just, you know. He uh, and we we see the same thing from like what we were talking about with Mr. Banks in the previous episode. But it's like, yeah, it, they're, he's lost um, track of what's really important. They're kind of like parallel characters. They go through a a similar uh, character arc. Um, you know, they've completely lost uh, touch of of what's truly important, which is family, and or at least that's what I'm told. Um, but anyways, um, the end of the movie is so great because it's like everyone just it, it, it it's a happy ending it's like everyone finds their happiness and everyone, yeah it, it works out for everybody it's like you know the you get the uh the true story of buddy the elf which is literally a true story but it reads like a children's book because right. that's just how it is you know and the fact that he was able to find this niche of becoming a children's book author and the fact that he gets dressed up in his elf garb and goes and does readings, like that's just like the perfect Can job all, for him. We also need to talk about, you know, as you're talking about getting dressed up in his elf garb, when he's living with James Kahn and the Hobbs family and James Kahn tells him, you need to get rid of those tights as soon as possible. He's like, as soon as possible? He goes, yeah, as soon as possible. And he just drops them right there, right as Mary Steenburgen walks in. Like, because he's taking everything literally. Yes. He's like, you need to do this right now. And he's like, okay. So, I mean, that's just, again, demonstrating his his innocence. But uh, I think that's a, a good place to stop because we don't want to get into every single detail of the movie, you know, and everything that he does because there are still some folks who haven't seen it and we don't want to, you know, get everything covered here. So... I think um, I think what we'll do, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, wrap up the episode. We'll uh, give you some previews of what's coming up as well. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello. This is the Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, but you can just call me Frank. And when I'm not stomping around the woods throwing rocks at hunters, I like to listen to the Paranormal Punchers podcast. That's right, Paranormal Punchers. They talk about all things paranormal, and they're hilarious. Go find them on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and ParanormalPunchers.com. Hey guys, this is James Thomas, director of Megalodon, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday. Good evening, future passengers. Are you ready to sit back, relax, and join us on a ride of epic proportions through the mystical land of randomness? 
Am I a serial killer if I eat Lucky Charms? What would it be like if horror characters ran a gym? Who would run spin class? When a shark jumps out of the water, is it like suffocating for that split second? So join us every week for a brand new derailment with Goobs, Ripkin, and Jenny Bean. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Derailers. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on YouTube. Have a great night or day, folks. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. <laughs> Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. Patrick Ray Hall in the motherfucking house. And we are back. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Elf because uh, we certainly did, and it's one of our favorite movies to watch this time of year. Uh, I think it's right up there with Scrooged, Trading Places. Um, I mean, I know they're not Christmas movies, but again, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, stuff we like to watch around this time of year because it does have some some semblance of Christmas. Lethal Weapon, Die Hard 1 and 2. Again, they're not Christmas movies, but they take place around this time of year, so they're good to throw on. As if you needed an excuse. But uh, we got some interesting stuff coming up. Um, We have, uh, as we alluded to, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. So our first post-Christmas episode is, uh, is going to be Hans Gruber because he's not a Christmas character in a Christmas movie. And this is not a Christmas episode. So... Consider yourself grooved. And then, uh, for anyone who's interested in sending us some feedback, uh, we're going to be doing a year-end review show like we did last year. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite guests, some of our favorite segments, uh, some of the interesting experiences and conversations that we had, interactions with folks during the year. If you have any favorite moments or you know favorite guests that you know you uh, want to tell us about, we would love to hear from you. We're also going to be covering our favorite characters from the past year. So if you have any characters, new characters that were introduced in 2018, definitely shoot us an email, send us a voicemail, hit us up on the Facebook page. We will put out a post. Or new, it, I was going to say, or new versions of the same characters like, you know, Mary Poppins, Venom. Right. Stuff like that, you know. You know. Aquaman. Let us know. Um, we'll be putting together a list, so we would love to hear what you guys think. Yeah, uh, hit us up on Twitter at TDThursdayPod. Uh, hit us up uh, by sending us an email. You can send us a you know, voice memo from your phone. Throw it on ThursdayPodcast at gmail.com or the Facebook group. Um, so we'd love to hear from you. So we have... Uh, quick science and a quick wine today well my science is quick your wine uh probably not as quick um so do you want me to just do my science first and then you can spend some time doing wine sure okay. from the blackness of space timeless from the void you terrified to learn of patsy's science facts so this one's uh, kind of a Christmas science fact. Uh, as a result of uh, environmental change, some might call it global warming, uh, the reindeer up north have yet to begin their migrations because there's not enough snow to force them south. So we have not seen uh, the migrations that we would normally have seen already by this time. Uh, which is kind of sad because it's throwing off the whole ecosystem. So that's just a, a little Christmas science for uh, sad Christmas science. Well, I said it was sad. I mean, it's not ter- like nothing bad has happened to them. Like they're not, you know, you know, they're not dying or anything. It's just kind of throwing their their whole. It's throwing off their mojo. Their migration mojo. So, 
Are you uh, ready for your wine? I'm always ready to talk about wine. Okay. for holiday parties and you may find yourself either going to a holiday party or hosting one yourself and as part of you know going either attending or hosting you may decide to either bring or put out a cheese plate and you may be wondering ashes what types of wine pairs well with what types of cheeses well i have you covered on today's episode of Von Nightmare Vineyards. So there's something about a really great glass of wine uh, accompanied by a great hunk of cheese that it just just pairs so well together. Um, And when you have the right wine pairing with the right cheese... The way that the flavors can just kind of marry on your palate, it's quite delightful. And if you do it the right way, uh, you can find it a very enjoyable experience. And I honestly believe that winemaking is an art and cheesemaking is an art as well. And, you know, blending the, the, the two artistries together is just wonderful. So we'll start with a blue cheese. What pairs best with a nice hunk of blue cheese is actually a port wine. Port's sweetness and thick body are the perfect foil for pungent, crumbly blue cheese. You can also substitute that toot that with a sweeter red wine. So if you don't want to go with a full port, you can do like a medium-bodied sweet red and still get a similar effect. Uh, Prosecco actually pairs best with Parmesan because the bubbles in the Prosecco cut through the saltiness of the hard cheese of the the, the Parmesan. Um, If you're having aged Gouda, it's best that you pair it with a Cabernet because of the nutty flavors of the Gouda, the full-bodied and tannins and the cab actually stands up to it and provides you with really bold flavors. Um, if you're eating Gruyere, I can't say this one right. Gruyere. Gruyere. Um, a Chardonnay pairs best with that because of the fruit and nutty flavors in the Chardonnay actually bring out the flavors in the cheese. Um, let's see if you're eating something that has a lot of ricotta in it, a Riesling actually pairs well with it, uh, because of the sweet and creaminess of the ricotta cheese, um, the tanginess of a Riesling can actually bring out the flavors. If you're eating an aged cheddar, a Malbec actually pairs best, Um, I also find that Malbec pairs really well with a Monterey Jack and any type of pepper jack cheeses or like spicy cheeses. Malbec pairs really well with that as well. Um, A Merlot actually pairs well with a Monterey Jack. Um, So you kind of you can kind of like cross, you know, different cheeses actually taste, you know, well with different wines and stuff. Um, So, yeah, I have this great handy little list. I'll post it in the Facebook page. There's a bunch of different cheese recommendations and wine recommendations. And my suggestion uh, to you is to go to your local cheese shop. If you have a local vineyard, like local winery, Pick up a bottle and go to the local shop, get yourself a hunk of cheese, and enjoy. Even certain, like, grocery stores, I think Wegmans does this. Like, you can, when you go through the wine section or, like, the the, the cheese section in, like, the deli area, it'll tell you, like, on, like, a little card about the wine, like, what pairs well with what. So it's like, oh, if you're looking to 
have like this pasta dish or a steak or what have you like they'll they'll tell you what pairs well with it right and sometimes um cheese shops will actually have local wines on hand as Mm -hmm. well that they can give you recommendations for and a lot of times wineries or you know just like a a wine sounds stupid a wine store um will have like a cheese section or can give you recommendations as well so yeah and uh i mean when in doubt you can just google it yeah but if you find a wine that you like or a cheese that you like and you're like man i would love to share this with people and you really don't realize the importance of pairing because the flavor of one can actually bring out the flavors of another. And at the same time, certain flavors don't mesh well together. Like you don't want a... Uh, and we learned this from the wine parties at Spicy Kristen's house. You know, you eat a... Uh, you know, you eat a Skittle and then you drink a type of wine and like you don't taste anything. But, you know, you eat a cracker and you drink the same wine and you taste that like certain things have uh overpowering flavors and certain things will bring out the sweetness of a wine certain things will bring out it all depends on what the wine is i'm not good at this stuff this is why i leave it to you a lot of things also have layered flavors so certain foods will bring out certain layers of the flavors in wine as well yeah like if you drink wine by itself you might not taste it, but it's like, oh, I ate some salted cashews before I drank this. Now I taste vanilla. So, that's the general idea, but that's not exactly like that, yes. how it would work. Something like that. Like, I don't think that's the right combination, but, you know, I'm not the wine expert. That's why I don't do the wine section. Um, so that's definitely a good list. And um, we came across this with uh, there's a, a, a little cheese shop right near us that a couple of folks have recommended. So, um, you know, that's definitely something we're going to look into. So, like I said, we do not have a battle for this week. Uh, nope, the battle the battle is on hiatus till after the first of the year. We'll get back into it. We're going to revamp the show a little bit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're definitely going to be doing uh, more series of characters because there's a lot of big stuff coming out next year that we kind of want to cover in depth. We're going to have some new guests uh, that have already requested to be on the show. Uh, We're going to have some different combinations of guests as well uh, to give us some new perspectives on some of the characters. We're going to hopefully get some sleep so we can actually say words and string coherent sentences together. That's a plus. One of the things I'm looking forward to is spending, you know, multiple weeks on like a genre, like, we're going to spend a few weeks at the beginning of the year getting you caught up with uh, the M. Night Shyamalan trilogy, which will uh, finish with Glass coming out on January 18th. We're going to we're gonna do a lot of Game of Thrones. We're going to have a lot of guests on for those. So many Games of Thrones. We're going to do, you know, another... I'm, I'm hoping to do another big Marvel crossover with some folks. I feel like that's something that's in the works. Um, and I know other people are really excited about doing an Avengers mm-hmm. show. Well, as many people are excited about covering some of the kaiju that we're going to see in Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, including some folks that have never been on the show. Like the Cretans Guild folks which is uh, very interesting. Um, so we've got we've got a lot of I'm really of excited. Guests. There's some great entertainment content coming out mm-hmm. in early 2019 and we have a lot of stuff that we're going to cover. And so it, it'll be it's really exciting. And we're really going to get into I know I've been saying it for a while and like but we're really going to get into some of our historical figures as well. Mm-hmm. Cuz there's a few that we want to drop cover. some knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, we're very excited. So, uh, Ash, has you got anything else you want to add before we uh, say adieu? I think I need a nap. I need a nap, too. So, uh, yeah, I think with that being said, we will see see you you next next Thursday. Thursday. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad.